And welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today, we have a very, very, very special guest with us, somebody who I know I've loved and adored, and we collectively probably have loved and adored for a very long time. She's been in our life for a long time, but none other than Jada Pinkett Smith. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. You look radiant. You look Thank like you've you. just been drinking your water and minding your business. You look good. <laughs> try it. I'm trying. <laughs> minding my business. That's the part. <laughs> <laughs> That's the part. So look, my, my show is unique. In the beginning of it, we usually ask all of our guests the same question, which is to walk us through the arc of their career. But a lot of people know who you are. So I'm not sure we need to introduce you to our listeners. I want to jump into Worthy, though, your new book, the title itself. Why? Man, because it's um my journey from lack of self-worth to feeling worthy, you know, and finally landing in that place of like knowing that I am worthy and that, you know, it's such a universal journey. It's so universal. And so just that idea of like, cause I was going to call the book unlovable, right? Cause I was like, mm. we're all, yeah, we all kind of feel unlovable at times, you know? And then, um, it was like, mm. I think worthy is more of an inspirational, <laughs> more of an inspirational <laughs> word, right? It's like let's 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 use the word of the landing place, you know. And yes, so, yeah, I understand that. I, I I don't know. It sounds like both of those journeys sound like you're preparing to to write some R and B tunes in your future. <laughs> you might need that. Um, you know, one of the one of the best interviews that I've done, and one of the most amazing people I've been able to interview was Cicely Tyson. And mm. I interviewed her on a Monday. Um, and she passed away on that Wednesday or Thursday. It was the last interview that she did. And she was, if there is a definition of like black excellence or yes. black girl magic, it's her. Yep. Um, and one of the questions I was able to ask her before she transitioned was why now? Um, mm -hmm. Why did she decide to write what I thought was probably the best book I've read in a few years at that time? And in, in typical fashion, she said, because I finally had something to say. So yeah. why why now for you and Worthy? Was there something that happened with you personally that moved you to write a memoir? Where where are you in your life now that you want people to know the Jada Pinkett Smith story? It was, and I wouldn't say that this is the Jada Pinkett Smith story. I would say this is a component of the Jada Pinkett Smith story. So listen, this is just like one like small line, right? And I think with everything that I've, been going through um and this journey from you know to my my self-worth because i do think that just like i said before i do think that that is a universal journey and so many of us are are struggling with what 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 are the signifiers that make us feel worthy and um just recognizing that all the signifiers that should have been ringing worthy, 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 um, were not, um, that wasn't giving me the self-worth that, that I needed and just realizing that I needed to, to really take a deep healing journey. And I just wanted people to go on that journey with me who, cause I was like, everybody else is like, you got everything. Like what, what, what's wrong. Right. <laughs> And to just go, it ain't never that, it ain't never that easy. Oh, it ain't never that easy, right? <laughs> but I wanted to take people with me on that journey for people to see how and why that those external 
signifiers are not the things that will feed the internal voids of feeling that lack of self-worth. Um, and um, so I just felt like I was like, that's a that's a worthy that's a worthy journey to share. And it's, you know, it's that behind the scenes, the behind the curtain journey that um, I just hadn't been able to share, you know, because the red table just wasn't the platform that would be able to give the history and the context that was needed in order for it to make sense. The red table is a place that we all look forward to um, for watching people go on that journey and watching you escort them down that path. Um, when you started this book, did you have an audience in mind for it? Like who, who is the reader you want to make sure reads worthy? Um, I think that people that are like on that journey, I wrote the book for the woman that I was when I was in a hopeless place. Um, because there just wasn't a lot of material out there that reflected my experience. There wasn't a lot of material out there that reflected, um, places that I got stuck. And I think a lot of times because a woman's journey is still considered taboo because a woman will be deeply criticized if she doesn't fit the patriarchal idea of what a good woman is. Right. And so um, I really wanted to give a bit of oxygen to those who, you know, are on their journey and feel like there's nothing out there that's giving them understanding of what their next step might be or if where they are is the right place to be or in all of all of the doubts and concerns that come with and fears that come with you know when you're when you're traveling trying to figure out your figure out your life this episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV the Kia EV9 with available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults with zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Let me ask you a relatively presumptuous question because I've, I've been reading the book and I think it's pretty dope. I think you actually wrote it for somebody like me, which I get to next. But um, what do you do now when you get stuck? I'm just being presumptuous that Jada Pinkett Smith, even though you're on this journey and you've made progress, you still have moments in your life when you still get stuck. Is it yeah. advice? Is it healthy? Unhealthy? I mean, give us something. Listen, you listen, let me tell you smoking, smoking a pound of marijuana when you get down. No, that's right. Listen, I had to stop all that. Okay. That's the whole <laughs> point. I had to really let go of all the different sneaky little vices. Right. And I let me tell you what I do. I close my eyes and go into a quiet 
space and I really get in contact with my fear. What is the fear that is running up on me right now that's got me stuck and in the grip, right? And so, because usually that's what it is. It's some kind of fear, whether it's subtle or whether it's like right in my face. The reason that I said that I think you wrote it for me is because I am the husband to an amazing black wife who is on her journey, I'm sure. And I have two um, amazing, beautiful black daughters. One is 18, which is a whole different thing. That's a whole and, different thing. <laughs> and one yeah, is You four. need to read this book. Okay. For sure. <laughs> I am, I'm reading it, but talk to, talk to, um, black men and what, what this book, what we should get out of this book and being better husbands and better fathers. Well, you know, at the, at the beginning of the book, I dedicated to my daughter and your daughters as well. And I dedicated to my sons and your sons too, because I really feel like it helps to develop a relationship for men to develop a relationship with that aspect of the feminine that they're not necessarily in touch with, within them, within their wives, daughters, mothers, and sisters, as well as energetically within themselves, because the feeling world within you is your feminine space, right? right. The world of feelings is considered feminine. And as you know, Men sometimes have a really difficult time traveling into that world, being into that in, in that world within themselves and then holding space for the women in their lives, you know, and not taking it personally of, you know, all the stuff that all the weather, emotional weather that comes up for women. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, it just kind of helps you kind of navigate the different weathers of emotions that come up within yourself and as, as well as within the women in your life that you love. I think people admire you for your, the way that you're an amazing um, mother, wife, but also one of the things that we saw Red Table and you learned from this book is about being a daughter. Um, and I've written a memoir myself and, um, you know, had to be honest about my family and my parents. Um, and sometimes that's a touchy situation because they're doing the best that they can. How did you and your mom talk about the book as you were writing it? Um, I wanted to really, I wanted to let her know what I was sharing and I wanted to make sure that she was okay with some of the things that I shared because, you know, at the end of the day, my mom's still on her journey too. Right. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to be in step with her in regards to, um, you know, what she was okay with me, you know, sharing about, cause I don't want, I don't want her to feel, um, she's still, she's come through a lot of her own shame and a lot of her own guilt, but I wanted us to be in partnership in regards to that part of our journey that we shared together. One of the things I find more fascinating about you is, is Baltimore and the pre Hollywood Jada. Cause that just seems like a different phase. You were free loving. It was like a different spirit sometimes. Yeah. How do you talk about how you address, uh, being a Baltimorean and your upbringing in, in, in the book and how did those formative experiences in Baltimore shape how you built the family and home life you have now? Well, you know, I was, um, the blessed child of two addicts and, uh, my mother and I, there was a time, a period of time where in my teenage years, uh, you know, we, it was just us. And I, I was, I was pretty much on my own. My mom's addiction pretty much escalated. 
Um, and I kind of, I lost my sense of all of the secure family foundation that I had, which was through my grandmother when she passed when I was 13. And then um, my mother and my stepfather divorced. And so the only man that I even knew as a father disappeared from my life. And so I, I went to the streets to find that security, to find that sense of self, that sense of power. Um, and, you know, I found uh, I found a lot of things there. <laughs> you know, I got into, you know what I mean? I found a lot <laughs> of things there that that were helpful. I mean, I call it the, the, the chapter in the book is the University of the Be More Streets. Yep. Because honestly, it's what I learned there that helped me survive coming to L.A. at the age of 18 to get into this business. It's like, I'd run with some real wolves on those streets, right? So, yeah. you know. Can nobody do no wild shit to you because you'd already seen it all. I mean, I you'd seen already it seen all. it all. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> seen it all, survived a lot, you know? I was like, so by the time I came to LA, you know, my, my instincts were on point and I, I knew how to keep myself safe in regards to, you know, any kind of Hollywood you know, flex, um, out here. So I, 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 I'm grateful for what the streets of Baltimore taught me because it, it, it prepared me for Hollywood for sure. You know, we talked about, you know, your mother's influence on writing a book and kind of the partnership on that journey, but the same question goes for your husband and your kids. How much of a role did they play in helping you to develop the content for the book? And if you feel comfortable sharing for the more uncomfortable parts of the book, how did you work uh, those moments through with your family. Was it a red table talk about the book coming out? Um, it was, I went to each individual person. I went to my son, Jaden. I went to Trey Willow. Um, and I talked to Will. Will knew that this time was, was coming. And, um, I really made sure that I told my journey from my perspective and that I didn't try to fill in what was going on with everybody else. So whether it's Jaden, how he felt about leaving the house at 15 and what was going on with him, I, that that's his journey to tell. I was just speaking about my journey or the journey, all the complicated, complex journeys that Will and I have been on, you know, um, just making sure that I left it for Will to tell his journey and that it was up to, for me to just tell my perspective. It's just my perspective and to make sure that I stayed focused on my perspective and my growth and my sense of responsibility in all of it. How did they respond? Or did you, did you I mean, I, I guess the kind of blatant question is like, <laughs> did you care how they responded at first? And then were they, <laughs> you're like, this is the book here. I'm just telling you, giving you the courtesy. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. With my kids, I was really clear about um, certain stories that I was going to share. And Will, I just gave him the whole book to read. And, um, you know, he gave me his blessing and he was really proud. And, you know, he'd been championing me, championing me throughout the process of writing the book. It's always good to have a champion in your corner. You know, one of the things in reading this book and 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 learning more about you than I than I a lot of times when you're in Hollywood, we feel like we think we know you is decently presumptuous yeah. of us. And we assume we know everything about you and why you tick and how you tick. But what do people get wrong about you? And how much of this memoir is about correcting the record, so to speak? 
Yeah, no, I didn't write the memoir. You can't correct the record. You just can't, right? You really can't. I mean, let's just be honest. It's like for those that it will correct the record, great. But for those who don't want the record corrected, it ain't going to get corrected, right? So <laughs> that that wasn't even like part of, that wasn't even part of the the purpose of writing this book. Um, but I think that a lot of people have a lot of things wrong about me. And to be honest with, with you, you know, um, I can't say that I've been really helpful in that area. Um, and, um, you know, and so I, I, I really, my purpose of writing this book was just because I'm like anybody else who's just been trying to figure out how do you, how do you learn to love yourself while you're trying to learn how to love the person and the people that are standing next to you? Because a lot of times and I think this goes for all of us. We'll either sacrifice ourselves, leave ourselves on the side of the road in order for our loved ones to feel loved, or we'll leave our loved ones on the side of the road in order to love ourselves, right? And so this book was a beautiful um, lesson, curriculum for me in learning how to love myself while also learning to love the people that are next to me so that nobody gets left on the side of the road. And that has been the biggest transformation for me and probably the most difficult. And I'm still learning how to do that because it's always been one or the other. You know? yeah. One of the things that I'm uh, excited about, and I've been married now eight years, but uh, marriage is hard for anybody. Like they know, first of all, I blame Will and a, a whole nother generation of black men for not telling us how hard marriage is. Like they should have come together and grabbed us in a conference. Uh, they didn't tell us that y'all were a full-time job. They did yeah. not. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. but it's hard, it's hard for anybody. And I can't imagine, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a decently a public figure, but I can't imagine what it means to be a globally recognized public figure and how difficult it's been at times for you and Will to be together in such a public fashion. How do you tackle the most difficult points in your marriage in the book? Oof. Very, I tried very lovingly and compassionately. And honestly, because let me- you Gotta be honest. Let me tell you something. I'm with you, right? I, I, I think all of this trying to make marriage look so easy and every, like, man, no. I think that I wanted to be really honest about what it takes, you know, and what I discovered in regards to my part um, in expectation and not coming to the table with my self-healing in place, you know, to really show like what can deteriorate a relationship and what can rebuild a relationship. And to show that marriage goes through so many stages and that if you're looking to be married to somebody forever, forever, ever, that you're going to have to be willing to do some real work within yourself and in regards to your partnership. And that like marriage is a holy path and it's not for the faint at heart. You know, and it goes through some really beautiful phases and it goes through some really dark, turbulent phases. And it doesn't mean that um, 
It's not unique. I'll just say that. <laughs> it's not unique. I don't know any long-term marriages that have done it any differently because we're all human and we all have our stuff that we got to work through. And we're lucky if we find somebody that's willing to stand next to us and willing to work through it all as a, in a partnership. We're lucky because most people quit. Most people, Mm -hmm. most people just want to be in relationships um, and have partners that just please them. They just, they're looking for pleasure, pleasure only. And I have to tell you that being in a marriage and being in long-term relationships is about growing together and getting past these romantic phases of togetherness in order to get to what I call more unconditional love, right? And unconditional love does not mean unconditional tolerance. And we can, that that's a whole nother show we could do together. Okay. <laughs> okay. What, what that journey of getting to unconditional love looks like. Right. But what I will say is, you know, that's why all the phases, you know, you, you meet somebody and they're like a God to you or a goddess, and then you meet the human. Mm-hmm. And then how do you learn to reconcile the two? Because the both, the both, both of them exist, you know? It's for people who are married now or about to get married now, um, can you be on this journey by yourself or do both partners have to be trying to be healthier and, and going through that journey as well to make marriage work? It really depends. I got to be honest with you. It really depends. It depends on... I'm always so careful with that one because I'm going to tell you something else that I've discovered. Sometime we're on assignment, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and every that's marriage- a, that's, a, that's what you just said. Let's stop real quick because that's a yeah. hell of a burden. Yeah, it's it's something, you know, but that that's when you. That's when you have a specific relationship with your higher power. I have seen people that are on assignments in their relationships that I would say, what the hell? Why are you still up in this? You know what I mean? Um, So I'm really careful to say what a marriage should and should not be. What I will say is you really got to be in tune. You got to be really in tune. And in alignment with yourself. And if you're in tune and in alignment with yourself, you're going to know exactly what you should be doing. Because every relationship is, 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 um, is a different curriculum for each party involved, you know, and it goes deeper than what's on the surface. Similar question about parenting. Can you talk about how you learn to be the parent you are now and who helped to shape how you approach parenting? Because I can tell you as the father of four and a half year old twins, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm just trying to keep them alive and like love on them. I mean, that's about, that's about all I can tell you I'm doing with them right now. I hope they, I want to raise good humans. That's about that's, it. That's good, right? So I would say the best part of, of like the, the, as long as we are, always on the path of becoming good humans, um, you know, and, and, and expanding ourselves and growing our kids, they watch what we do. 
right? It's like they do more of what we do versus what we tell them to do. I've learned that. Um, but I've also, you know, one of the things that I did in my own, as far as parenting my kids was like, I looked at the things that worked and looked at the things that didn't work within how I was parented. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I think sometimes when we become parents, we're like, we forget. It's like, hey, hey, hold up. You, 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 went, you were that once. So what did you need in this particular situation that's happening right now in front of you? You know, and so there were a lot of times that even though my mother was an addict, she I learned a lot from how she parented me and how she didn't parent me. I knew the amount of freedom that I had gave me a level of self-actualization early that prepared me for being able to survive L.A. But I also knew that it would have been best if I had some bumper guards along the way. Like I, I could have a certain amount of freedom, but I definitely needed a certain amount of protection as well, a certain amount of guidance. So that's what I did with my kids. I kind of understood a level of freedom that they needed, but also made sure I had those bumper guards. You know, those bumper guards, like when you at the bowling alley. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. it doesn't go into the gutter. You know, the ball doesn't go into the gutter. So I tried to give my kids a level of freedom. I'd give them this space and then I'd put a, a, a boundary. As long as you don't go past here, because if we go in life or death situations, this is where mama and dad going to come into the picture. You or know? prison. Life, death, or prison. <laughs> exactly. Do not add. Do not add to the body count. Do not subtract to the body count and try not to go to prison. That is that's the goal. There it is. Uh, so a couple of last questions, important questions. And I can ask this question now because the strike is over. But any new projects coming out, anything you got working on, you want the people to know about outside of Worthy, because everybody needs to go out and buy Worthy because it is amazing. I, you know, I don't know. I know WGA is over, but uh, SAG's not over yet. So you no, about so to we get can't. me in trouble. You about to no, get what, me I don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah. So, so there, ain't I, nothing, there ain't nothing you can talk about. I can I tell you? Your scene in Set It Off uh is one of two scenes the other is when macaulay Culkin died in my girl don't worry about my emotional state oh i can't and i can't even i can't talk they're giving me the wave i can't talk you, i can't that i can't talk about set it off you about to, i'm gonna get well i was just gonna tell you it's that it's, it's it makes me emotional but we'll move on i'm just telling it makes you it's emotional. that's all you <laughs> that's all i wanted to say it let me get to the most important question one they can't wink about but when does the book come out? When is it available? How can people buy the book? Which is the most important thing that most important questions that you can answer. It comes out October 17th. Um, so it might be out by the time this comes out. Um, and you can go to any, you can go to Amazon, Target, um, ourworthyjourney.com and order the book. You can go Barnes and Nobles, everywhere. Anywhere. Anywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. Everywhere. Well, I love you, Jada Pickett-Smith. I want to say thank you so much for coming on the Bakari Service Podcast and giving this young boy from Denmark your time and attention today. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you. Have a good one.